Just a fireball. Oh, God. So loud. Yes, darn. No, God, so loud. Leave me alone. Okay. Uh, What episode is this? Five. Aha! I labeled this right. Uh (laughs) Episode five. It's episode 1568. That would be really terrifying since we only started this like maybe a month ago. I like that you looked at your non-existent watch. I do that way too often. I'm like, you know what time it is? You know what? I don't give a fuck. That's how much time I got. (laughs) (laughs) I always look at a non-existent watch like in front of teachers, in front of my boss. I'm just like, which is funny because do you ever wear a watch? Never. I have never. I have before, so I could see me doing that. I think it's only because I used to wear bracelets, and to be like sarcastic, people would be like, "What time is it?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'd say it's about. I don't give a fuck." And I'd just be sarcastic like that, and that Mm. just never went well. So, so before we decide who's going to go first, I wanted to give a disclaimer that I am sick. Uh, my nose is stuff. Hey, shut up. That was Amber. Um, so I probably sound a bit different, but it's not my fault. It's okay. It's coming flu season. It's already hitting this, like, just the area pretty hard. I know what you were about to say, and I was going to have to be like, Amber, god damn it. <laughs> no, it's hitting the area pretty hard. Um, so if I, like stop or sound like i'm like choking on razors that's pretty accurate because i just have a cough right now so be if warm. all you hear in the background is sniffling i'm sorry i'm not <laughs> crying i just have snot <laughs> like i can't help that yeah so uh, you're just gonna hear real live murder while talking about murder yeah Sounds yeah pretty accurate uh so now that we're done with that who's going first <laughs> rock paper scissors okay hold on hold on uh best out of three yeah. Okay. Hold on. One, two, three, go. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. She just flipped me up. I think I win. I think I win. Yeah, I win. She flipped me off. God damn it. God damn it. Yeah, damn it. Ye old peppers. <laughs> Short story. We just got Subway right before we went and did this. And there's this really old guy standing behind us. And he said tomatoes, tomatoes. really weird. He said tomatoes. And so he's, I thought he said ye old, ye old peppers. peppers. But of it's course, he, did, he said it's yellow Subway. peppers. <laughs> it's Subway. I, he said the tomatoes weird. I thought maybe he was like ye old peppers. I want the ye old peppers. I don't think he goes back that far. He may look pretty ancient, but I don't think he goes back that far. Ye old peppers. You never know. You never know. Okay. So, I'm just going to get right into mine because there's really not an introduction to this. So, same here. Constance Navarro, or Connie, began dating John Riccardi in 1980. So do you know who Constance Navarro is? I do, because I know her son, Dave Navarro. Who is? He's a he's an artist, isn't he? He's like yes, he's he's uh, the guitarist from Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, he has his his own band now, and he judges in Inked. Ink Master. Yeah, Ink Master. Pretty great show, by the way, guys. Recommended. And his mother was murdered (laughs) when he was fifteen. Yeah! So I was watching a video on, on YouTube, and that's kind of where I came across this, so I decided to do it. 
You know what? That's okay. I think this may be like the one episode where we don't have something in common. Oh, sadness. Okay. During their relationship, John lived in his own home but stayed with Connie in her condominium frequently. Connie already had a teenage son, David Navarro, and she shared joint custody with her ex-husband, Mike. David became close with Connie's new boyfriend and regarded him as a trusted friend. In the fall of 1982, Connie and John started having problems with frequent breakups and brief periods of time back together. In January... You spilled that on my couch. 1983, Connie decided to finally end the relationship for good. Good job, my dude. Not really. For the next two months, John Riccardi had difficulty coping with the breakup and began stalking Connie. Oh, that's creepy. See, it's a good thing you left them, like, left him. Because, you know, that seemed to be just going downhill real fast. But I feel like after you left him, it, like, hit an all-tie high and some bullshit right there. He appeared uninvited at restaurants where Connie was eating and dinners at her ex-husband's house. Like, he just came in and sat down. Why is he? Why is she having dinner with her ex-husband? Because they have joint custody over their son. Oh, okay. See, I, like, <laughs> didn't remember that part, so I was like, that's just really weird. Help me, I may have left you earlier in life, but someone's stalking me. She received yeah. multiple phone calls, but the caller would hang up after she answered, and on several different occasions, Riccardi would follow Connie and her friend Marilyn Young to the fitness center and stand outside staring at Connie. Did he, nobody, like, get I guess to not. remove him from premises? Because that's I creepy. guess not. Nobody cared. And now she's dead. Good job. Yep. He also began calling Marilyn late at night to ask about Connie and express his despair over their breakup. Connie became afraid of Riccardi and started avoiding going anywhere alone and had an alarm system installed in her home. At least she's, like, taking preventative measures. Yes. She's like, if you break in, I will know. Yep. Someone will be alerted. That's not what happens, though. Of fucking course not. <laughs> in January, Connie had a meeting with George Hofer at a restaurant to discuss job opportunities. After dinner, as they were leaving, George and Connie shook hands and Hofer kissed Connie on the cheek. The next morning at his hotel, he received a phone call from a man who said he was Connie's boyfriend. The man was enraged and demanded to know why Hofer had been kissing his girlfriend. The man warned Hofer that if he didn't stop seeing Connie, the man would break her knees. Not even his knees. He would break her knees. Hofer tried to explain that he was happily married and that he wasn't interested in Connie, but the man told him he knew about his flight back home and what his address was. Hofer again explained he didn't like Connie, and the man became calm, asking Hofer not to tell Connie about the conversation. Uh, Hofer goes back home and is fine, and later tells Connie. So, Good she knows about it, yeah. After the incident, Riccardi's stalking escalated. He broke into Connie's house and forced her to sleep with him. He spent the night holding her and refused to allow her to leave the bed. So, like, sleep with him, like, legitimately, just, like, lay down and sleep? Or, like, I sleep have, with him, like, It didn't rape. specify. So, I assume, because of the way it's worded, he had sex with her and forced her to stay in the bed as well. Okay. Uh, and then another time, Connie's vehicle failed to start and Riccardi suddenly appeared and told her that he had tampered with the wires. First of all... Somebody's car isn't working, you just pop up and you're like, hi, I did it. <laughs> like, so sexy. I want you. <laughs> I broke your car. Have fun fixing that with thousands of dollars. So attractive. 
After the incident, Connie had her locks changed in the hopes of keeping Riccardi out of the house. In early February, Connie agreed to meet with Riccardi to talk about his stalking, but only if they met in a public restaurant. At the meeting, Riccardi took out a gun and demanded that Connie go away with him for the weekend. Fearing for her life, Connie agreed. She convinced him to rent a hotel where hotel room where she felt it was less likely he could harm her without anyone else hearing. She's so smart in all of this. You know, at least so far, like, the measures that she took and what she did when she was confronted with him, I think, was so smart. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> she's uh, definitely, like, not one of those people that's just like, I guess I have to go with him. She's definitely, like, taking precautions, doing steps that, like, could keep her alive. And, like, I, it's really sucks that it's, like, the end of the movie where that person, the smart person, still dies in the end. That's just, it pisses me off every yep. time. Uh, During the weekend, they stayed in the hotel room, and Connie made calls to her family and friends explaining what was happening and where she was at, and with who. At the end of the weekend, Riccardi allowed her to go back home. Later, Connie invited Riccardi to have dinner with her, Marilyn, and Marilyn's boyfriend. There, she begged him to leave her alone, and he said he would, but according to Marilyn, he had an angry smirk on his face, and I'm not sure how you do that. It's one of those, like, when you're smirking, but you can tell that they're really angry. Like, the eyes tell it, I feel like. That just seems like it'd be a really weird expression. I feel like you'd have to get really angry and then just think of something super sinister, so then you just smile about it, but it comes out smirky. I don't know. Weird. I feel like I've seen one of those before, but I, like... You have? Are you concerned? Not, not like, in person. I'd say, like, in movies and stuff. I feel oh, like okay. I've seen something... No, someone just, like, angrily smirked at me, and I just felt terrified. Mm, okay. I like that would be terrifying though. Like, how are you angry and like smirky, like sarcastic at the same time? I don't, I don't get it. Oh my god, so loud. <sighs> Soon after, Connie and her friend Sue Jory were having breakfast when Riccardi appeared and sat down at their table uninvited. He sat there and said nothing, staring at Connie for four minutes before getting up. He made a gun with his hand and pointed it at Connie, pretending to pull the trigger before walking away. That's some childish ass, like ass shit. She dies by gun. I I kind of assumed (laughs) that. He kills her with a gun. But I just think that's super childish to be like, you're not giving me attention. Bang. Yep. And then just walking away like, that was childish. AF, like, for real. I think it's scary. I don't really think it's childish. I think it's scary. I think it's scary. Because little kids will do that. Because you don't give them, like, actual guns. I I don't think it's childish. I think it's, like, a warning in public to somebody. See, I just think it's childish. I'd be like, wow. Well, later in February, Connie had difficulty using the sliding glass door in her bedroom that opened onto a second-floor balcony. Her neighbor looked at it and discovered that the sliding door's bolt latch had been damaged, and he realized it had been sawed almost all the way through. According to him, the damage could only have been done from inside Connie's bedroom. He fixed the latch and replaced the door. At least he's nice enough to do that instead of being like, well, you should probably figure it out yourself. Yes. So, at about this time, Connie expressed her fears of the... Sorry, I'm reading this. It changed all of a sudden. Uh, Connie expressed fears of Riccardi in a draft letter addressed to Riccardi February 18th. She wrote, I'm so sorry that you're still so angry and you feel a need for vengeance and punishment. You're accomplishing your goal. I feel like a walking dead person going through the motion of life like a small wild animal who knows it's surrounded by a pack of wolves. The smallest sound or movement makes me jump. The sound of the phone now is frightening. Another hang-up. 
I'm so locked up in my own house, afraid of every sound the walls have probably always made. I walk out of my house, a coffee shop, a gym, looking. Terror. Until I get into my car and I know that the doors are locked and I can breathe again until I get out. Then it starts all over again. How long is it going to go on? That's really fucking scary. Yes. It's like, you have to think about it. He did, like, he damaged her door from the inside of her house. So he can already get inside. Yes. Which is absolutely terrifying. As well as, I was going to make this shitty comment earlier, but you went on and I was... Oh, God. I was going to say, with the gun comment, I was going to be like, at least threaten me with a real gun if you're going to threaten me. And I was like, wait, that's a really shitty comment to make. But you decided to make it anyways. Well, because I had to, because then I found it kind of funny and ironic. As Amber can probably see, I didn't do all my research. (laughs) I know the rest of the story, I just don't have it written. It's okay, as you can probably see, I don't have any of my stuff written down. And only you know. (laughs) Now they do. Yes. Uh, So... Later, he breaks in again, but this time, David Navarro is home, because he's he was sick. He was homeschooled. Aww. He was homeschooled? He wasn't homeschooled. He was at home from school. This is why you write things down. <laughs> and uh, so he thought somebody was breaking in, so he went and hid in the shower of the bathroom, because he could hear the, uh, door. the sliding door upstairs in his mom's room jiggling. And So let's uh, not tell my mom. <laughs> her, his mom wasn't there. Oh, okay. I was like, uh... Uh, So Riccardi came into the house, and when David looked out from the shower, he saw a gun on the floor, and he heard uh, Riccardi calling for his mom. So he came out and asked if there was an intruder, and Riccardi said no, that nothing was wrong, and he... uh, he actually freaked the kid out. I don't know what set him off, but like David somehow knew something wasn't right. I'm sure he probably didn't know everything that was going on between like Connie and Riccardi because she didn't want you know to freak him out. Well, yeah. Uh, but Riccardi ends up handcuffing David in the bathroom. Why the bathroom? Why always the bathroom? And. He left him there for 20 minutes, and then Connie came home and started screaming at him, and so David said that he heard them arguing, heard a slap, and uh, Riccardi came back into the bathroom sobbing, unhandcuffed uh, David, and begged him not to tell his mom, and then left. So I'm wondering if he kind of had like a reality moment of like... Checking out of his insanity for a hot minute, realized what he's doing to, like, the woman he supposedly loves. She slapped the absolute shit out of him. And he's like, what am I doing? Don't tell your mom. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to kill her later. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I feel well, like that's kind of what happened. Then, uh, because she doesn't feel safe and she doesn't feel like David is safe there, uh, she sends him to go stay the night at his dad's. And she leaves to go with, uh, oh, shit, I should have looked this up. Either it's, I think it's Marilyn or, uh, actually, I think it's Sue. Uh, She leaves to go out with Sue, and Riccardi sneaks back into the house. He breaks back into the house and hides in the closet upstairs. And when they come home, Connie goes upstairs. He comes out of the closet, shoots her twice, 
and Sue comes up and he shoots her. And then he puts Connie's head like in a pillowcase, like puts a pillowcase over her head and shoves both of the bodies in the closet and escapes. And he isn't caught for eight years after that. That's really fucked because one, he had, this is so premeditated because he probably stood in that closet for a while. Because if she like went out, she probably wouldn't be back for like a couple hours at least. As well as, like, he did show remorse by putting the pillowcase over her head, but she, he was like, fuck Sue. I don't, I don't really care about that one. Or maybe because he loved her in a kind of sick way, he didn't want to see what he had done to her. Yeah, but that's that's the remorse part. Every, I guess, because I watch way too many, like, criminal shows about stuff like mm-hmm. this, I feel like they always say that that's kind of the remorse of it, is when they cover the body or cover the face or something like that is them showing like they're remorseful and they don't want to like look and see what they've done yeah basically so it's still i think everybody knew who killed them but they like couldn't pin evidence which is no they could pin evidence they couldn't find him really yeah he he ran and was gone for eight years until they finally oh what did they do they put his picture up on a show that was like 10 most wanted and somebody saw that in the town that he was now living in and called the police you go and so that's how he was arrested but he escaped for eight years was given the death penalty and then the death penalty was negated because it became unlawful Mm, and so he just got life sentences wow and David Navarro actually went back and saw him and, like, uh, went to visit him in prison to be like, you know, why the fuck did you do this to my mom? And the dude was just kind of like, why are you here? Kind of a thing. She's like, what do you want? It's like, really? Really? You want to know what I want? I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> why are you like this? But <laughs> David Navarro got really fucked up because of the whole situation. I would, too. Like, <laughs> imagine imagine how bad it is just to have, like, a parent murdered when you're not there, but having been, like, handcuffed in the bathroom for part of it and realizing that, like, how bad it was and yeah, it was a trusted and, friend of yours. Oh, yeah. And just, And then, oh. like, it's also, like, it's not like they're immediately caught. He had to live knowing that he's out there for eight years. Yeah, how he, scared like, must you be for that? Oh, yeah. And it's not even, like, just his, like, mom died. Like, his mom's friend died. He definitely could have died, like... Yeah, that and would I mean, definitely fuck I just would, a lot of people up. I would definitely think that maybe that guy was after me just because oh, yeah. you know he I. You. Yeah, even if you're freaking out, usually they like they're like, "I'm just gonna go now, like don't say anything." And he was like, "No, I'm gonna handcuff you here for 20 minutes." Well, and so then come in like sobbing. It was really like emotional wreck. It was really 50 minutes because he was in there 20 oh, minutes, yeah. waited for Connie, had an argument with Connie for 30 minutes. Yeah. And so then released him. Hour. Yeah. Plus, there's such an, like, an emotional change versus, like, I'm going to handcuff you and then go on to be, like, sobbing, don't tell your mom I've done this, unhandcuff you. Like, yeah. definitely would not feel safe at all. At all. <laughs> Which I feel like just breaking into the house, you could have definitely just called the police about it. Well, so when they, uh, when the police... Uh, searched the house. So she was actually thinking about getting a uh, dog. 
No. <laughs> oh, what are they called? Something Security restraining order. Oh, restraining order that on him. Been really smart. Uh, I don't think it would have done anything, but well, it uh, been... they found that he actually he. So when the police searched the scene, there was the gun was under the bed, like he left it there, and he came in through the skylights or something like that. The skylights or the uh, balcony. Balcony, but I'm pretty sure it was the skylights. He'd come in at some point through the skylights <clears throat> because they found that the panel wasn't put back right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's almost like the one movie where he comes, like, from the floor. Like, no! You're yeah. talking about the pact and I hate it. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's really freaky as well as... So you feel like a restraining order definitely would have helped because then he can't just pop up out of nowhere while you're eating. But he... So, like, towards the end, he stopped doing that and just showed up at her house and, like, started breaking into her home. Yeah, but that's still one of the things that's, like, when he broke into the house when David was there, definitely could have just been like, so you're on my property and you need to leave. Like, there is a restraining order against you. I don't think it would have helped much, but I feel like it definitely would have helped in the beginning. I could see that, yeah. Like, the beginning, middle. Towards the end, I think if you told him you had a a restraining order against him, he would have just shot shot you sooner. Yeah. A little drawn out, but... (sighs) Alright. So, I basically learned about this guy all yesterday and today, and I've yet to write anything down. So here we are. It's okay. I didn't um, finish mine. First time I wasn't prepared. <laughs> so, this is, and I can never say his last name. Can I say It's it? Luis Gravati. Gravito? It would be, I would say Garvito. it's probably Louis Garavito. Louis Garavito. We're just going to call him Louis. Um, he kind of grew up in a abusive home in South America. I can't remember. Uh, I'm going to say Colombia. Yeah, it would definitely be Colombia. South America, Colombia. Sorry if you hear the couch squeaking, but I'm moving. Yeah, twist, twist, twist. Okay. <laughs> um, and he just grew up sexually abused, physically abused. I thought um, you were about to say he, like, just say he grew up sexually, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> a little sexual. No. Um, totally makes sense. <laughs> but he grew up abused and he actually for what he did he actually earned the name the beast oh shit oh yeah so i've never heard of this so i'm excited awesome um in 1992 colombia was in the middle of a decades-long civil war so part of it had begun in like the late 1960s um and due to the conflict thousands of colombian residents were left homeless and like fending for themselves on the street so many of those left homeless were like children, their parents are dead or long gone, oh, leaving them behind. Um, and that made them easy targets. Yeah, so, no kidding, they're kids. Oh yeah. He was very careful with his crimes for the next seven years. He would go kind of down to the slums where a bunch of homeless kids were, and he would come dressed as a priest, a oh, businessman. Um you know, they he would offer like the younger kids because he did stuff to boys. Would he offer ages them candy? six to sixteen? And yeah, oh no! So he'd offer like little kids like candy and to buy them toys and like Don't older kids like a candy. job oh. or like you know some a little bit of money. Um, so he would often dress as like a priest, a farmer, an elderly man, a street vendor, you know, looking for someone to help around like his house or a business. Can I add a quick side story? Mm-hmm. So about the money thing, first of all, children, don't ever accept money or candy or toys or anything from people you don't know. 
but <laughs> you did, didn't you? I was in the store with my dad I when I was story. like five, five or six, something like that. And I wandered away from him because I wanted to go get muffins or chips or something. And this old man walks up to me, puts an arm around me, and gives me five bucks and tells me children are the future and walks away. And I was so freaking happy. I went back to dad and I was like, look, I got five dollars. I'm rich. And he was like, where did you get that? I'm like, this old dude just came out to me and gave me some money. Yay. And dad was pissed. <laughs> so to say, he was like, don't ever do that again. Basically. Like the one time he lost me in a store and I was just received money from a random stranger. <laughs> um, so back on topic. Sorry. He would actually rotate his disguises and never show up as the same person like very often. I want to know what his like, closet months. looked like. Probably really freaking weird, like a Halloween store. <laughs> um, but he would, like, lure the boy away, and he would walk with them and encourage them to talk about, like, their life and their struggles, and would walk with them until they got too tired to fight back. Oh, my God, that's horrible. Oh, yeah, so then he would corner the boy, tie him up, bind their wrists together, and then he'd torture them. He would sexually abuse them to the point where, like, when bodies were found, like... It almost looked like he had, like, shoved something really, like, big up there. Like, it broke their tailbone. Oh, um, my he God. He would, like, cut their genitals off and stuff it in their no! mouth. Break their jaw. No. Like, no. he fucked That is them horrible. No. Royally. There was signs of prolonged torture. Like, there are bite marks, anal penetration. The genitals were removed and placed in the mouth. Um, several of the bodies were actually decapitated. Oh, no. Um. So, basically, he got away with it until late, like, 1997, a mass grave was discovered. Oh, shit. There was, um, uh, it doesn't say how many, like, kids there were, but then a year later, in February 1998, there were two naked children found, um, on a hillside lying next to each other, and a few feet away, another corpse was found, and all three of their hands were bound and their throats were slashed. And, like, the murder weapon was found nearby, but there was a note uh, in the area that had an address written on it, which was uh, Lewis, like, his girlfriend's house. Mm -hmm. And they go to the house, and they... I love that this dude has a girlfriend. (laughs) Right? But, you know, his girlfriend's like, come on in. Like, this is kind of fucked. I don't want to believe it, but come on in. And they go through his things, and in one of the bags, they find pictures of young boys and detailed entries of, like, what he did to them. How does she not and know this? Tally All marks, girlfriends are Snoopy. Right? But, like, and there are tally marks of his victims. Oh, my God. And he actually ran away, and it wasn't until about two weeks later that they found him. And that's because a neighboring, like, he was in a neighboring town, and they picked up a man on suspicion of, like, a rape. And they said that a homeless man kind of said, yeah, there's this young boy being followed, um, you know, and he intervened and all that. So the the homeless boy actually was rescued, and they caught him for that one thing. And once interrogated, he actually confessed to 147 murders. Oh my god, that's amazing, but really bad. He actually mapped out 
um, body sites where he had dumped the bodies, and they're saying that his victims could be in the numbers of 400, even though he was only convicted for 133. But 133 is still pretty good. Oh, yeah. Basically, um, yeah, he confessed to abusing 147. He was convicted for 138. Um, and so the maximum penalty for murder in Colombia is roughly like 13 years. So multiply that by the 138 counts that he received, he was sentenced to come out um, to 1,853 years and nine days in prison. <laughs> that makes but, such a difference that nine days he could because, die between them. Right? But because um, he helped police find the bodies, he was only given 22 years and is actually scheduled to be released in 2021. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no. Oh, yeah. But he's actually, like, known as, like, a relaxed, respectful inmate. Um, the Colombian prison guards admire him. Yeah, because he knows he's him. getting out. He's gonna go fiddle more boys, oh, yeah. like... Oh, yeah, he murdered up to 400 between the ages of 6 and 16. Oh, my God. They're like, yeah, you murdered up to 400, but you helped us find the body, so eh, yeah. we'll let you out. Like, oh, what yeah. the heck? Is he at least going to be old and crippled by the time he comes out? Um, I think he'll definitely be, like, in his upper, like, 60s, I believe. That's not good enough. But, um... My grandpa's, like, 87, has dementia, shakes, <clears throat> and could still probably take me down. Oh, yeah. He actually lives separately from other prisoners, you know, for his own protection, and he only takes food and drinks that are given to him by those he knows. Um, so, like, his guards describe him as, like, relaxed, positive, respectful. He's actually studying to be a politician, and upon his release, he hopes to start a career in activism helping abuse no. children. No. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, that's the funny part. Is Do not let him be a politician. Children. Do not let him be a politician. Your, like, your country will go downhill. Oh, yeah. Murder will be legal. To help abused ch- children. Chicks. Yeah. <laughs> to children. help abused chicks. Young boys. <laughs> Young boys. I kind of think, like... Him coming to America, like, after Trump and being our president and just, like, murders made. The purge is a thing oh, all of a God. sudden. And, yeah. That is really horrible. Our president fiddles young boys, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> that kind of thing. But yeah, he did this in 54 different cities. Ugh. And there were... Uh, the mass that I was talking about, the grave mass, mm-hmm. there were 25 bodies in that. Just, just that one. Uh... And there was an upwards number of, like, six of those. You know what? If he became our president, I think every other country in the world would be like, Oh, America. What are you doing? <laughs> like, this was only expected from you. Oh, yeah. It's because of Trump. Got it's so many crazy. haters. Oh, God. Um, yeah, and he actually tried to play, like, crazy in court, and he claimed to be drunk and possessed by a spirit while killing his victims. Being possessed by a higher power. Uh. Because he, like, was asking for forgiveness for his sins. He was saying he was drunk and possessed by some sort of demon while he tortured and killed his victims. I don't think that's he much said, of an excuse. Yeah, he said he had sympathy for the children that he killed and that after his release from prison, he wants to start a political career. Ironically, he plans to campaign on a platform that promises to help abuse children. But yeah, he... I like, think he's going to go to meetings to see those abused children and, and then abuse them some more. Right. But yeah, he drew a map of, like, his victim's burial locations. It's really crazy. That's freaky. 
Yeah, what is it? Uh, I just think it's really shitty that he was supposed to, like, you know, have, like, a thousand years. And he's not serving one bit of that. He's not even serving, like, half. <laughs> right. Like, why? So, he's 61 years old this year. And, what? He'll be 64 when he gets out. Oh my goodness. That's just not <clears throat> good enough, in my opinion. If you, like, if you are supposed to have a sentence that's a thousand plus years. A thousand eight hundred and thirty-eight years. You need to not get out in, like, twenty. (laughs) Twenty? You know? That's just not good enough, in my opinion. Like, why? Like, that's like a million and one life sentences. You need to live those out. It doesn't matter that, like, he helped you find the bodies. That's not a twenty-two year, like, cut down. I'd be like, okay, so now it's only, like, eight hundred years. You're you still gonna die, though. <laughs> like, you got, like, a thousand off of yours. Still, like, 800 years. You're still dying in prison. He was originally gonna have the death sentence, and they were like, no, you're just gonna live here for a thousand years. And then they were like, not yeah, even that! You can leave! It's okay! Because he has model behavior, and he helped Fuck find model behavior. Bodies. When he gets out, he's gonna diddle more children. <laughs> he's gonna diddle more children. <laughs> you Ooh, know that's wow. the truth. <laughs> Wow. It's what's going to happen, and you know it. You're not wrong. <laughs> Instead of being, like, 20, he's just going to be 64. Oh, yeah. That's Which the is, only difference. It's three years away. Yeah. Three years. I'll be alive when that happens. That's scary. But, hey, it's in South America. We're safe. <laughs> yeah, unless and he comes females. to America. We're females. He goes What if males. he changes him his M.O. to really stay under the radar? Will. really don't think he will. Well, if he does, please stay out of America. <laughs> please stay away. Stay away! Don't run to be a politician in our country. It's not you okay. You might get elected, because people don't know. Yeah. Or be just because we have a, like, a stupid population. Right now, yeah. A population of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> just like that sentence. Okay. Population is stupid. <laughs> so, that is episode five, five. of Justifiable... And this one was a decent length for once. Right. (laughs) How long is it right now? It's 35 minutes. Wow, it's really short compared to what we usually do. No, we usually do like 46. Yeah, that's why I said it seems pretty short, because it's like 10 minutes under what we usually do. Yeah, but it's okay. Yeah. If we keep talking, it'll get there. (laughs) Right. Just complaining about how shitty we are in this. Have you uploaded like any of the other things? Shut the fuck up. Okay, bye guys. (laughs) Bye.